And good morning, NASCAR fans. Welcome to Green White Checkered here on ESPN Radio. PJ Zuko, Brandon Bain here with you this morning following a incredible NASCAR Cup Series race at Daytona last night. It was the end of the regular season, the regular season cutoff race as we look forward to the NASCAR playoffs and the excitement level was through the roof. The racing was incredible at Daytona last night and when all the mayhem was over after that final wreck on the last lap, Ryan Blaine he grabbed his third win of the year, winning the Coke Zero 400 and solidifying his spot and momentum into the NASCAR playoffs. Now, you look through the wreckage and through the carnage, and it was Tyler Reddick finishing fifth and punching his ticket through points into the NASCAR playoffs, gaining that final spot, beating out his teammate, Austin Dillon, who was swept up in that last lap wreck, finishing 17th and missing the NASCAR playoffs this year. And what a race, what a crazy race it was. But, Brandon, we talked about it before the show. The racing was incredible last night, exciting all night, and Ryan Blaney finds a way to grab the victory. Yeah, it was pretty interesting there. But uh, let's start the day out, man, wishing wishing you a uh, happy late birthday there. You had a birthday this week, man, so congratulations yes, sir. Yes, sir. on that and uh, happy birthday. But, uh, yeah, definitely, I tell you, that was a uh, that was an amazing restrictor plate race. That was one of the better restrictor plate races I've seen here in the last four, five, six years for sure. Uh, the package, it seems, that NASCAR put together and brought back <clears throat> uh, really – you know, didn't necessarily kill the run. Uh, just kind of slowed that run down. We we saw some speeds, still some really, I mean, fast top speeds. I think Denny Hamlin at one point they said had a, had an average lap of like 193.8, which that's that's getting it pretty good still but uh just the maneuverability and the raceability in the car and and you got to see a little bit of the uh the tandem come back in a way and guys really being able to push one another out there and get that momentum built up and running so a huge move and yeah congrats to ryan blaney again uh you know there again first time this year he's had multiple wins in his career with locking up michigan last week as well uh first time in his career he's won back-to-back races so uh you know uh, you talk about guys with momentum and building building uh you know, speed getting into these playoffs. I tell you what, uh, Ryan Ryan Blaney's got it going on quietly good. Uh, a couple wins, as we know, back-to-back weekends, one at Michigan and then again last night. And then you turn around and look, he's got five uh, top five finishes in the last top uh, last six races, man. So I tell you, uh, Ryan Blaney right now is just is heating up really good at the right time. Uh, we'll have to see what he does here at these next tracks, a uh, few tracks coming up. Some of them, a couple of them aren't necessarily his greatest. But uh, with the momentum and what the team's feeling right now, I think they got great opportunities to build on that, man. But, uh, I mean, what, what about some of these other teams, PJ, that, uh, you know, just barely missed that, man. You know, we talked about Tyler Reddick getting in after the issues he had, um, being caught up in a little bit of an accident and some front-end damage and whether it was oil or water or power steering fluid or whatever it was, leaked for a while and uh, just so happened Wham Bam come out and able to finish the race and lock himself in. Um, you know, but his teammate in the three with Austin Dillon, you know, right there and, and uh, you know, having some electrical issues and drama of their own and uh, comes out and, you know, runs right there and gets caught up late and, and, you know, loses that as well, but uh, you know, even beyond that, we had Bubba Wallace, you know, finishing what we thought was going to be a third place finish, and uh, Busher with a second place finish, and uh, Chris Busher is a little illegal there, uh, uh, track bar mount, so they took that that finishing spot away from him. Uh, but what about these other guys, man? A, a big shout out for me and somebody I want to give a lot of credit to is Corey LaJoy. Um, I mean, I think that man went out last night and showed you the talent that he has behind the wheel, specifically at those restrictor 
play races. He really does know what he's doing. Uh, it ran a majority of the race up there inside the top 10, top 12, um, and put himself really right there in position late. Uh, just didn't quite work out. Some things got a little squirrely, but uh, that's, that's the one thing I absolutely love about Daytona and some of these restrictor plate and road courses we go to, um, and we saw it in Almondinger earlier in the year, but just the surprise, not necessarily Cinderella, like comeback feel-good stories, but man, just these surprise winners, these guys that are able to go out and put themselves in position and, uh, you know, have that run. So, I mean, as they say in football, you know, any given Sunday, man, we can we can say the same thing here in NASCAR. Yeah, absolutely, and it did a great job. Corey LaJoy did, uh, showed some great speed, being able to stay up there all night, and uh, showed what he could do on these restrictor plate racetracks, and what he can do when, when he has a chance, right? Corey LaJoy, such a solid driver, and, and good to see him getting some time up there. Wish he would have got the finish he deserved, but uh, some other guys, too. As, as you mentioned, some huge races uh, in the top 10, and some huge finishes. Uh, Bubba Wallace getting that second place finish, even Ryan Newman, Ryan Priest, uh, third and fourth, but you look down as well, huge shout-out to BJ McLeod, who gets his first career top 10 in ninth, first top 10 for that team as a whole, actually. Uh, Josh Balicki there in 10th as well with a big top 10, uh, being able to get through the carnage. But, uh, I mean, even Daniel Suarez, caught up in that last wreck, ends up finishing 19th. But even he put himself in position to be up there and, and fight for that win, fight for a top five at least. So impressive run by him as well, and impressive runs all night, really, by, by a lot of those guys who were able to work their way inside the top five and top ten. Not all of them got in the finish uh, they necessarily deserved, but it was great to see him up there. Uh, Ryan Blaney, man, how, how about this? Just impressive to see him grab these victories for sure. Uh, two victories in a row now and he seems to always kind of do it like this where you can tell by the top fives he's had in the past six or seven races uh, that he's always up there and always putting himself in position and when you do that you'll have races like this where you know you don't lead 200 laps or anything like that, but you make your way to the front, put yourself in the right spot, and wind up with a victory. Ryan Blaney has done that the past two weeks and has done an incredible job to do so. That, that's not knocking him at all. Uh, that's a great job by him being at the right place at the right time and executing well when he needs to. That's a sign of a really good racer, and I think he has the talent. I think he has the equipment. He could be a guy that we do see uh, leading 150, 200 laps and, and winning races at some point soon, but something... Uh, Maybe a little less notable, but it is pretty big. Good career moment for him. Kyle Larson has been in a battle with Denny Hamlin over the past 15 races or so when he really started being dominant. He gains those five victories and finally passes Denny Hamlin for the regular season championship. So while it's not a huge thing, very notable for Kyle Larson and a testament to how good of a year he's had. Yeah, I tell you, PJ, man, you you hit the nail on the head when you talk about Ryan Blaney and just and just being here late in these restrictor plate races, and it seems like uh, a majority of his wins come that way. It seems in that in the later half of that stage, uh, that final stage, seems like he really comes on, puts himself in position to be there. So, uh, big congrats to him. And and I don't think we talk enough about it. We we put a lot of emphasis on Chase Elliott and um, you know the the best road course racer in the sport right now, and probably going to go down as one of the best in 
history. I mean, just just due to the fact of how many we race now, um, and not to take anything away from this talent, as we know, I'm a huge Elliott fan. Uh, we just had more opportunities to go out and get those road course wins checked off on a, on a career win list. So, um, you know, but but we talk about him being the best road course racer, and I don't think we give Ryan Blaney enough credit um, when we look at the field out there. Who is that next generation, you know, restrictor plate racer? And when you look at Ryan Blaney, um, man, I tell you what, like you said, he's just got a knack for being there late, getting the job done, putting himself in a great position, staying out of trouble. Um, you know, which which we've all seen it last for so long. You're going to have your races where you just can't control what happens. But uh, the parts that you can control, I, I, from what I've seen out of Ryan Blaney, that guy is just amazing on restrictor plates, man. And, um, you know, as, as we talk about and we progress here coming into these playoffs, and you said, you know, it's not a huge deal with uh, Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin. It, it, I don't think it was such a huge deal for Larson to go out. You know, he kind of gets those five extra bonus points on the rest of the field or on second place on top of, you know, what he's already gained. Um, I think it was a more big deal for Denny Hamlin because those five points now that we reset this field definitely is going to shake it up a little bit and put him a little bit further back than where he want to be. He's still in a safe zone, but um, – yeah, I mean, I just think I think that what we saw last night um, is hopefully what we're headed into with this next generational car. I mean, I know it's a totally different thing, um, but I really just hope that the racing um, is as good like it was last night when we go back to Daytona here in February for the 500 because I tell you, that, that was some exciting stuff. It really reminded me of the later 90s, maybe a little bit into the 2000s, definitely like the, the 97, 98, 99 type racing that we had at Talladega to where um, you know, you, you ran pack and you saw guys run multiple lines for a majority of the race, but when you were ready to go, two cars were able to kind of push each other out, not necessarily the tandem we saw where you're running around hooked up for a lap, um, but just enough down and down to, to build that run and get that momentum down into a corner or, um, you know, coming out of a corner or whatever it may be, uh, but the field still being able to stay with them. And I tell you, I, I give NASCAR some big kudos for the research and development they did just for, just for you know, the, the couple races that we had that that style package and the package they brought there last night to daytona um there again always working trying to make it safer always trying to make it a better experience and i tell you as a fan that that was an awesome experience awesome race to watch last night yeah for sure i mean the restrictor plate racing last night was incredible the package they brought made it even more exciting and if we see that type of racing in the daytona 500 it could be the best daytona 500 uh we we've ever seen which is saying something because we've seen some amazing daytona 500 finishes but hopefully it's as competitive and and crazy and fun as last night's race was but uh, we come back and talk about some some news and notes some announcements from around nascar that have happened this week that's when we come back here on green white checkered on ESPN Radio. And welcome back. Reem White Checkered here on ESPN Radio. PJ Zuko, Brandon Bain here with you. Also remember, Brandon Bain, Rubbin' and Grubbin' every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock there at Coach's Corner. Go have some great food, great drinks, and a whole lot of fun there at Coach's Corner and hang out with Brandon as he gives you everything you need to know about NASCAR throughout the week and gets you set for each NASCAR weekend as well. They're rubbing and grubbing every Wednesday night at 6 at Coach's Corner. If you can't make it, tune in to the Coach's Corner Facebook live feed at 6 o'clock there every Wednesday night at 6. But, Brandon, some big announcements over the course of this week in NASCAR, uh, kind of two announcements in one. We'll start with the first part of it, though, as Kurt Busch 
announces that he has signed a multi-year deal with 2311 Racing to race the number 45 Monster Energy car. No charter has been announced for that car, but still signing a multi-year deal, unveiling the car, and Kurt Busch is your second driver there for 2311 Motorsports, teaming up with Denny Hamlin, Michael Jordan, and his teammate now, Bubba Wallace. Huge moves right there for the 2311 camp. You know, we, we've talked about it numerous times on uh, Green White Checkered, and, and I've also brought it up on a rubbing and grubbing. Um, you know, I think that was the biggest move made uh, almost during during the silly season, if you would call it, uh, outside the news of Keselowski leaving Penske and, and doing his thing over there at Roush. But, uh, I mean, when you when you really, truly break it down and look at it, uh, you if you want to build a team, you got to have a veteran. you got to have a guy with experience. you got to have a guy that knows how to go out and get the job done. And uh, Kurt Busch has proven through, throughout the years in his racing career that he can go and get it done. Uh, you know, we, we've had conversations there again not necessarily one of my favorite race car drivers when he came into the sport you know a lot like Kyle very arrogant you know attitude uh, you know just kind of it, it wasn't winning wasn't competing good just uh, blah but uh, I tell you what as he's gotten older in his career and, and he's aged and, and progresses as a human being as well he's turned into a really likable guy and not only that carries a huge sponsor in Monster Energy so really it's like a trifecta win over there at 2311 man you get a second car that you're going to be able to build a lot of data off of you get a championship race car driver with 30-plus wins and a cup championship to come fill in, not just for one year, but he's going to sit in that seat for multiple years. Going to be a huge amount of data. And three, Monster Energy comes over with him, so it's not like you're out on the hunt for a sponsor, man. And four, to top it off, we'll go ahead and just hit, and hit for the cycle right here. You get you get a very historic number in NASCAR. You know, I was surprised to see that number. Um, you know, obviously we, we associate the two numbers with Michael Jordan and basketball career, but as a NASCAR our fan that 45 uh you know goes back to being the adam petty um you know and that that's something that touches base and a lot of fans are gonna are, you know gonna like or, or dislike but i tell you what man i think that that was the biggest move uh for 2311 just do, just due to the fact that you know we we knew that Trackhouse probably had an opportunity being that you know he he was at ganassi for the, the last few years of his career and he's got the car there and uh, they decided to go with uh, suarez and chastain instead of Bush and it just kind of totally blew my mind like you're taking a, a younger talent which not taking anything away from Ross Chastain uh, I think he's got a, a good amount of talent got to reel some things in get some things in order but uh you know this is a guy that's proven with 30 plus wins in a championship man and you and you let him slip right out when you're trying to build an organization so I think that the the right person's in the right place I think that Kurt Bush is going to do an amazing job at 2311 and I tell you what man if they can uh, get some things figured out here uh faster than some of these other teams coming into this next-gen car. Don't be surprised if you see uh, 2311, uh, either either the 45 or that uh, 23 in victory lane next year. Yeah, no, I don't think I'd be surprised at all to find one of those cars, if not both of them, in victory lane at some point next year. And I think you hit the nail on the head with so many things there about Kurt Busch and this pickup there. Uh, not going to reiterate every single thing, but I'll tell you what, the biggest thing to me is just the information and the kind of driver that Kurt Busch is and and what he brings to the table at 2311. I I think they hit this one out of the park with being able to bring Kurt Busch in. Of course, you already have the alliance with JGR, but Kurt Busch really has turned himself into a solid teammate and a solid person to talk to and find information from and get better as a driver by just being around. And not only that, Bubba Wallace has a teammate now, which I think is big. You heard him after the race last night, maybe a little disappointed that the Toyotas didn't work better together and 
and while they were telling him to work with them, but now it's it's different. It is a solidified. This is your teammate, and uh, we've seen what Kurt Busch and Ross Chastain were willing to do this year to be able to help each other get a victory. Right now, Bubba Wallace has that type of teammate in his corner that can also just being around him make him better and better. So I think this is a outstanding pickup for 2311 Racing for the potential of that team and for Bubba Wallace and Kurt Busch putting themselves in really good positions with 2311. But with that announcement, kind of coupled with it, Brandon, was the fact that NASCAR has moved the numbers forward on the car. I had experimenting last year in the All-Star race, pushing them back. Didn't like that, apparently. Now giving the sponsors even more room on the car and pushing the number up near that front tire. Brandon, I know it's cosmetic. Doesn't affect how the race is going to go, right? But how do you feel about the numbers moving forward now in 2022? Oh, well, PJ, let's just be honest. You know I'm old school, man, and, and we all know uh, you know how much of the uh, dead president dollar bills it takes to make this sport go around, man. And that ultimately, that's what it's all about. And, uh, you know, it's really sad. I mean, but there again, I say it a lot, and I'll say it again. You know, as any other sport, uh, you know, NASCAR has to continue to evolve, just like football, just like baseball. So whether it's the rules changing or whether it's the format changing or the way that we play certain things inside the game, it's going to change, man, uh, uniforms, et cetera. So, um, you know, opening up some more door space, uh, you know, the sponsors and the money that they put in, uh, you know, it, it's what makes NASCAR go around other than the fans. Um, so, uh, you know, opening up that door space is going to allow some more sponsors to either get on the car or at least prioritize that sponsor a little bigger for them. <clears throat> I'm just not a fan of it. I, it's going to take me a little while, one, to get used to it, and two, to kind of accept it. Um, but, I mean, there again, it's, it's NASCAR's baby. It's their sport. They're going to do what they want to do. Um, and if that's what they need to do to keep the great sport that we both love going around and around, uh, give the sponsors a little more room, hey, man, so be it. Um, so, uh, at the end of the day, it was very surprising and way they released it it was just kind of like a oh yeah hey by the way this is what we're rolling with next year just to let you guys know um it wasn't like nascar really came out and made an official statement they kind of let kurt bush and 2311 drop drop the bomb on everybody but uh yeah for me not not a big fan of it i really wish they kind of would have left the numbers alone it kind of keeps that there again the roots of the sport the classic nascar in it um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, we're kind of in a transition era in NASCAR where we're moving on to a few little different things and kind of, you know, getting away from some of the roots at the same time getting back to them. Um, and this is just kind of a, a prime example of, of the numbers being on the door. But uh, when you look at it as a whole, man, just the, the amount of youth talent that we have in the sport and how young the sport is um, and how many things we are changing, not only cars but tracks and schedules and, uh, you know, different things. So um, right now we're just in a transition in the sport. I think in the next, you know, say two, three years, it's going to kind of settle down a little bit and we'll get back to a little bit of normal and kind of, you know, just back into the routine of it. But, uh, hey, man, I mean, they got they got to do what they got to do. But uh, asking about moving the numbers forwards, backwards, anywhere other than in the center of the door, to me, it's just, uh, it, it, it's not a good thing, man. It's not a good look. But I, like I said, I'm I'm just one fan, man. So we'll, we'll have to see how everybody feels. But at the end of the day, it's just something we're all just going to have to get used to. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there, and I, I pretty much agree with you. I wish they would just stay the same and stay where they're at. Um, it's, it's not that terrible of a move. I, I don't really like it that much. 
And at the end of the day, I, I wish they wouldn't have been pushed up so far. To me, it's it's right next to that tire, and I didn't think it was going to be pushed up that far. Uh, I think it looks okay. I think it looks good on Kurt Busch's car, but ultimately, I, I wish they would have just stayed uh, where they're at. I think also, how does this affect paint schemes? And I know, it again, it's not the racing itself, right? But I think it's something we all enjoy, seeing a good paint scheme and a cool paint scheme. And now you push that car number forward, you take up more of the car with a sponsor, and less of the car is, is going to be a cool paint scheme, right? It's going to affect how those paint schemes run. So, I don't know. Don't love the move. I think it's okay. Not as bad as it could be, but still uh, don't don't love the car uh, number moving forward. But, Brandon, we'll come back, talk about this first round, and talk about the four drivers we're most worried about missing the cutoff for round two. That's when we come back here on Green White Checkered on ESPN Radio. And welcome back. It's Green White Checkered here on ESPN Radio. PJ Zuko, Brandon Bain here with you. Be sure to check out Rubbin' and Grubbin' every Wednesday night at 6 at Coach's Corner with our guy Brandon Bain as he gets you caught up with all the latest NASCAR news and gets you ready for each NASCAR weekend. That's Coach's Corner at 6 for Rubbin' and Grubbin'. But Brandon, moving into the first round of the playoffs, we have Darlington, Richmond, and Bristol and instead of picking a race winner for, for Darlington here, let's talk about the four drivers we're most worried about missing the cutoff for round two. Who doesn't make it? Yeah, that's a good one there, PJ. It's a, you know, it's a little difficult. Three of them, I think, are kind of self-explanatory. I mean, I hate to put it that way. Uh, the last spot, you know, I, I think can kind of go between three guys, which makes it a little difficult. But when you look at these three races coming up in the in the uh, playoffs right here for the first round, you got, uh, you know, Darlington coming up. You got Richmond and Bristol. <clears throat> Bristol earlier in the year was on dirt, and we didn't really get to see uh, too much of what we know on about that. But if, let's say we go back to last year and look, a lot of different cars ran really good there, had some good good runs, um, but from what we've seen this season at, the, at those racetracks, I mean, we all know Kyle Larson is just absolutely on fire, so looking at somebody and four guys that are just not going to be able to put all three of those together, um, and I think the first one we've got to go ahead and check off this list is going to be the, the 34 of McDowell. And, you know, not to take anything away, had a, had a great season come out and get that big win at Daytona, um, but we saw here last week, you know, a blown, a blown engine, and I can tell you in these playoffs, and the, the, how tight we are this year, especially with how many guys have good equipment and are running good. One DNF like that in this first round uh, is definitely going to hurt you. So uh, the 34 to me just doesn't have the consistency, even though he does have that win at Daytona. Um, so we got to go ahead and put him going to be one of the first ones out. Second for me, um, there again, is going to be the 10 of Eric Armarola. Uh, you know, great win uh, there at New Hampshire. You know, he, he absolutely did what he had to do to put himself into the playoffs. I just haven't seen the speed. I haven't seen the consistency there again out of the 10 car this year, um, you know, other than at Richmond and, you know, maybe popping in here and there throughout a couple races. Um, but that's going to be number two on my list not to make it out of that first round. Uh, three for me, when you go and look at it, it's got to be the eight of Tyler Reddick. And I tell you, he's had an absolutely amazing season for what he's been doing. He's kind of putting it all together, I feel like, this year, trying to trying to get himself lined up for the next four, five, six years of his career. Um, in the direction it's going to head. Uh, but I tell you there again, uh, just, you know, looking at these three, might have a chance at, at one of them here and there. You know, Darlington probably going to be a pretty good little racetrack for them. Bristol maybe. Um, but there again, just having to stay out of trouble, having to execute, not have things go wrong. Um, we're just going to have to wait and see. But for me, the eight will be the third guy on my list. And then the fourth, this is, like I said, probably the toughest decision here to make because you can go between three guys if you look at who's in. Uh, you got the four of Kevin 
Harvick, which we're coming up on some racetracks he's ran good at, but hasn't there again shown anything this year. The one of Kurt Busch, one in Atlanta, uh, consistency here and there, but not going out, leading races, and 20 of Christopher Bell. The hardest decision for me was going to be who who is going to be in and who's going to be out. Um, and I tell you, I've, I've got to go ahead and I've got to take the one of Kurt Busch out, and I hate to say that. Um, I just feel like looking at these racetracks coming up, Darlington, a uh, good racetrack for Kevin Harvick. He can go out and get a solid finish there, a solid finish turnaround right there at Richmond, which we know he can run good there. So I uh, look at that. Christopher Bell, to me, seems like he's been getting some things put together. So uh, I keep him in. But, yeah, my, my four are definitely going to be McDowell, Eric Armarola, Tyler Reddick, and then, like I said, going to have to go ahead and take Kurt Busch out, uh, not making it in uh, out of that first round into the round of 12. Yeah, some good points there for sure. And not to completely copy what you said, but a lot of those are very similar there for me. And like you said, I think those three are are pretty clear there. Uh, Michael McDowell, impressed with what he's been able to do all season and getting that Daytona 500 victory, but just don't think that team has the consistency they need uh, to be able to make it into round two here. Eric Amarola, same way. I mean, great job by him to get that finish, get that victory, punch his ticket with the win at New Hampshire. Uh, But with that team, Stuart Haas racing and and really how they've raced all year, don't trust that team enough to be able to make it through same thing with Tyler Reddick while I do think he's a really good driver I would like to see a mile and a half or a a two mile track be in this round for me to be confident that he would be able to to punch his ticket and get through I think he's better at those tracks uh, than than the tracks we're coming up at right now just again don't really trust him to to be able to have the consistency that they need to to punch their ticket and at the end of the day a DNF a big DNF could, could change everything here that's why we run the races right but I think those three are pretty clear for me and I'm actually going to go the other way. I'm going to go Kevin Harvick, and that's odd because he he is my favorite driver on the circuit right now. But I think I trust Kurt Busch a little bit more at these tracks and and with what's coming up and with how they've been running. Now, Kevin Harvick does have some great tracks. He's, he's good at every single one of these tracks. But I just don't trust how they've raced this year. Uh, I don't trust the wrecks that they've gotten into and the kind of the DNFs that he's had so far this year, too. So the consistency just isn't there and hasn't been, and, and I just don't trust that number four team to, to punch their ticket. Maybe they come out and win Darlington and prove me wrong. I certainly hope so as his fan, uh, but just don't see it happening. So I'd take Kevin Harvick as that fourth guy possibly not going to make the cut into round two but for Brandon Bain I am PJ Zuko want to thank you for listening and tuning in to Green White Checkered every Sunday at nine here on ESPN Radio hope you have a fantastic rest of your weekend we'll see you next week for Darlington and God bless